0: Alright, hello there everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA Podcast. Your weekly, mostly weekly, look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey, your host. Thank you all very much in advance for listening. And let's get this out of the way. Thank you for like, the likes, comment, subscribe, reviews, ratings, uh, sharing, all of it. Just all of it. Appreciate the heck out of any bit of support I can get. Uh, boy, I just realized I'm recording this on Valentine's Day, and my just sad, depressing, personal life rears its ugly head again. All right, tonight, we'll be talking about, last night, UFC 258. That poor card, man. Uh, when we talked about that card last week, I said it wasn't deep, and it wasn't, but there were a few, maybe some hidden gems on there, you know, some stuff to kind of look forward to. Over the course of that, you know, six days before it aired, (laughs) Uh, oh boy, we lost the bantamweight fight that we all wanted to see, Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera. We lost Jim Miller and Bobby Green. Uh, there was another one. Uh, not a lot of, not a lot of, uh, a lot of unluck, a lot of very, very bad luck for that card. Uh, so we'll go over that card, such as it was, and parts of it were pretty good. Uh, Again, not great on paper, in execution, parts of it, pretty darn good. We also have a preview, this next week's event, UFC on ESPN Plus 43, and news! We actually have some news this particular time around. Uh, Some of it, uh, I have to talk about Bellator, which I don't... Look, I make a lot of jokes about Bellator, um, (laughs) and I've said this before about them, I can't watch their first run stuff. Uh, be at the commentary booth, or uh, whatever. I really don't like watching Bellator live most of the time. I don't think it's worth... I shouldn't say it's not worth the time investment. It's not worth the gamble that I will enjoy the product. Uh, So I tend to wait until after things have happened, and then if a fight gets a lot of buzz. I mean, there are some exceptions to this, obviously. But Bellator has some news, so we'll talk about that. Some fights fell out, and... I honestly don't even know what to say about this at this point, but Dana White seems to still be in denial about Khabib Nurmagomedov retiring. So, we'll get into all of that on this particular episode. Strap in, strap on if you're into that sort of thing, and let's start with last night. UFC on ESPN—UFC 258, blah, 258. (laughs) Alright, main event. For the UFC welterweight title, champion Kamaru Usman— Defends his title successfully, TKOing Gilbert Burns 34 seconds into the third round. This was not a long fight, but you know what? This was pretty. Do- this was a very engaging fight, if nothing else. Uh, first round, Gilbert Burns comes out hard and he cracks Usman a couple of times. He finds a couple of rights. Uh, he wobbled him pretty badly in those opening seconds. Uh, Unfortunately for Burns, he kind of gave Usman a way out in that uh, he kept kind of pushing. He wound up on his back. I think he he slipped throwing a knee. He kept trying to throw knees up the middle. Uh, some of them landed, but... Uh, I'll talk about that again a little bit in a second because it goes to... I think it speaks a little bit more to some of Kamaru's both strengths and... Uh, Weaknesses is the wrong word. It's just tendencies. There's not a whole lot that the man does badly. He is the best welterweight in the world. He slipped throwing one of those, wound up on his back. Now Usman didn't want to go into his guard, but he was really good about kind of standing over him and doing enough to keep the ref from intervening. I, frankly, I was surprised Herb Dean let that particular situation go as long as it did. Uh, But I'm not the ref, he's the ref. It was his choice. And he just was able to draw out that particular position long enough uh, to really kind of recover from getting buzzed. I mean, he said in the post, right, that, yeah, he got buzzed a little bit by some of those punches. But he survived. Uh, had Had some good moments towards the end of the round, but ultimately, again, pretty clearly around for Burns. Second round, and the jab of Usman, which he'd started working, again, in the latter half of the first... Really started showing up in the second, and if you want to get really technically nitpicky about Usman's jab, sure. There's things that aren't great. It comes back low. Uh, so he throws it out, and he throws it out very well. He, he does a little bit of what some of the stuff you're not supposed to do in terms of winding up the jab, but not horrible. Uh, and it comes back low more at his hip instead of straight out and back, but I'm being very... That's me being very, very kind of technically nitpicky. Now, to be fair, a very good striker can, will potentially be able to counter that if he keeps bringing it back low. But uh, it, it, mostly what it was trying to, what he was trying to do with that jab was interrupt Gilbert Burns. And he did that a lot. He split his timing frequently, he split his guard frequently, and Burns never really was able to get his rhythm back, and that that clearly threw him off. He started res- uh, resorting to a little bit more swinging punches. Uh, they both traded some leg kicks. Uh, I thought the leg kicks from Burns might play a bigger role than they did. He kind of got away from them as the fight went on, which, again, I thought was kind of an odd choice. Uh, but you know, when you keep getting jabbed in the face like that, the ability to think uh, becomes more difficult, and the range... Uh, Somebody asked uh, in the live coverage about Usman maybe moving up to middleweight. I think he would probably wind up being a bit too undersized at the very, very top end of middleweight, but uh, Kamaru Usman's like six feet tall. I'm six feet tall, and I, I, jeez, I were like 220, uh, which is probably about, it's probably closer to what Usman walks around at than not. All things considered. Uh, Although, again, you know, uh, 200s is not at all out of line for a welterweight, especially if you just keep a managed weight cut. And obviously the man can fight for five rounds, so whatever he walks around at and cuts through, he's clearly got that fairly dialed in. Uh, He's got a lot, and he, I mean, he was what, like four inches taller than Burns and had five inches of reach? Better him, more like two inches, two to three inches taller, and then five. In- he had about five inches of reach, was huge here. Um, as soon as he started working his jab, it really messed up Burns. It it really neutered his effective offense from that point on. He did it from both stances, which was impressive. Uh, hurt, he hurt Burns a couple of times with right hands in that second round. Burns, to his credit, survived. Gets into the third, but just gets his timing split on a jab from Southpaw. Sits him down, and this time Usman just stands over him and bombs on him until the ref stops it. Uh, I mean, what do you say about Kamaru Usman, man? Uh, He is... This broke George St. Pierre's record for most consecutive wins in in welterweight in the UFC. They had been tied at 12. uh, Now he's at 13. He is now Usman, 13 and 0 to start his UFC career. Uh, See, so never lost in the UFC. The only other people to do that are like it's like him, Khabib, and Anderson, who had these long, long runs of dominance right off the bat in the UFC. Even other all-time greats, you know, John, I forget, uh, I forget how far John got before he before the Hamill fight. Uh, it was. Certainly a number of fights, but it was—I don't even think it wasn't double-digit. I don't think he got 10 fights in the UFC before that fight. Um, jeez, again, who, some other greats. You know, Kane didn't have that many fights before he lost. GSP obviously didn't. Uh, his first failed t- title fight with Matt Hughes. Uh, it's, it's uh, jeez, DJ uh, Demetrius didn't. Cruz wasn't active enough. Dillashaw didn't. Uh, Aldo, Aldo didn't have that many. Again, Aldo's, Aldo gets a little bit unfairly maligned about that because I, I tend to count a lot of his WEC run. I mean, obviously the man had a very, very long winning streak you know, before he ran into Connor. But you know, 13 and 0 to start your time in the UFC, uh, rare, rare, rare. Accomplishment That is, only the very best pull that off. Or the very protected, and I, it's not, and Usman has not been protected. Um, it, and once you're the champion, that becomes a, an almost untenable claim to make. So, again, 13-0 to start it. Longest winning streak in the division's history at this point. Um... I have a minor issue with people saying that you know he might be surpassing gSP. I, I don't think the comparison I don't think the comparison holds, and there's a very specific reason for it. If you look at George's twelve you know twelve fight winning streak, I think ten of those were und- were fights either for or defending the undisputed title, and eleven of them were title fights. Because he lost to Matt Sarah, I want to confirm this because I might be forgetting a fight, uh, and I, I don't wish to do so. So I just want to I want to confirm this if I'm going to make this point. Yeah, so he loses to Matt Sarah, loses the title, beats Josh Koscheck uh, in his rebound fight from that. For the interim uh, for the interim title, he fights Matt Hughes, so a title fight, wins. Fights Matt Sarah for the undisputed title fight, wins, and then go and you know, then continues winning. So of those twelve wins, nine of them involved the undisputed welterweight championship, Ten of them were title fights. In the case of Usman, of his thirteen wins, which again, absurd. uh uh, absurd winning streak i just really want to make that clear this is not me downplaying him but if we're going to have this nitpicky comparison about who sits at the very top of the mountain we have to do this of his 13 fights four of them have involved the undisputed title he now has he won the belt and has now defended it three times and those that's a pretty significant distinction that has to be drawn there now I think my point, generally, if we look at their two careers, George's uh, title greatness, George's greatness, was established. He had a good run up to the belt and some very impressive wins. I don't mean to kind of diminish that, um, but he really, like, his greatness emerged throughout the course of his title reign. I mean we all knew he was great before that, but that's really that's really where it matured. In the case of Usman, I think Usman's pre-title resume is better than George's pre-title resume. Now how that kind of counterbalances with George's title resume being better than Usman's, I think is why people engage in this pointless debate is to kind of argue those uh, argue those particulars. I mean if you look at Usman, uh if you look at Usman's pre-title, uh, pre-title reign, so when he gets into the UFC, comes in in 15 with a win, proceeds to beat Leon Edwards, and that, that win has aged tremendously well. Alexander Yakovlev, Worley Alves, Sean Strickland, Sergio Moraes, Emel Weber, Mack, Damian Maia, Rafael dos Anjos, Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, and Gilbert Burns. Again, so if we stop that at Tyron Woodley, if we just go Hayter Hassan through Rafael dos Anjos, I think that stretch is better than George up until... It's certainly better than him up until his first title win. And the second one came so soon after that. So I, I would argue that that is better than George's run pre-title. Post-title, again, George has an edge both in in terms of longevity... Uh, by a significant margin, and if you want to argue level of opposition, um, again that gets a little bit more noodly and is a little bit harder to parse. I mean, you can, um, but I'm I'm not going to get that nitpicky with it. Uh, the man is the best welterweight in the world, and I I don't feel the need. I don't after this fight, I've kind of come around to this point, I'm not going to compare the man to GSP right now. It's unfair, I think it's unfair to both the legacy that GSP led and more importantly, it's unfair to a man still building his in the form of Kamaru Usman. Uh, <laughs> because he's not done by any stretch of the imagination at this point. And, now, look, he is, jeez, again, if we're trying to rank him, I am not really interested at this particular point in doing numbers. You have kind of like the guy at the top, and then I think you have like tiers. You know, if you've ever seen those stupid tier list things on YouTube. Right now, Usman occupies the tier below GSP. And there's some other very, I think you you get to that secondary tier, it's like him and Woodley and, I don't know, Hughes, I suppose, technically. And he is very clearly better than those guys, but if we're just talking tiers instead of numerical ranking. And could he eventually surpass GSP? Um, you know, yeah. It won't be the same kind of... I. I I don't think he's going to get the same number of title defenses that George did. Again, GSP had nine consecutive title defenses. You know how rare that is? <laughs> I mean, that is stupidly rare for anybody to achieve that. That's why we hold what George or Anderson Silva or John Jones or Demetrius Johnson did. I mean, even John had, you know. His long streak is broken up by, you know, being stripped and then fighting for, it, and that's the whole thing. But there's a reason we hold those kinds of accomplishments in such high regard, because they are difficult. I don't think Usman's going to get to nine. That strikes me as unlikely. But I don't think he needs to get to nine in order to either equal or, again, arguably surpass GSP if you want to make that comparison. I think he needs more than he's got now. I mean, again, George's title record, George's record at the championship level is uh, among the very best. I mean, especially if you can, that's the reason I'm only considering this as far as the welterweight scene goes, because George moving up to middleweight after two years off and then, uh, you know, choking Michael Bisping out to become the middleweight champion is still one of the more impressive things that the sports produced in terms of singular moments. That's a hard, What he did, I... We all kind of dunk on that, you know, because, oh, it was Bisbing, and the UFC protected Bisbing by giving him the Henderson rematch instead of making him fight Robert Whitaker, and this was just a money weight opportunity, and both guys saw each other as an easier fight, and all of that can be true, and it's still incredibly impressive to have actually pulled that off. <laughs> to come back after that long a layoff to move up in weight and then to dif- and then to finish the undisputed champion of the world. Uh again, you want to throw some qualifiers out there about it and do those points need to be discussed uh when uh, do, you know, are they are they things that should be discussed because they happened and they are context builders? Yes. Is it still ridiculously impressive? 100%. So as far as usman goes at welterweight again 9 seems unlikely if he gets to 5 even uh 5 with his already existing winning streak if he goes 18 and 0 to start his career not just three more title not just you know two more title defenses to get 5 that uh That's the point when everybody will start having that discussion in earnest, to those who engage in that. Uh, The man is, again, Usman is the best welterweight in the world. Doesn't mean he can't lose. Um, He could. I would not be shocked if he loses a rematch with Jorge Masvidal or he loses a rematch with Covington. Would not shock me. I don't expect that to happen. And neither of those are easy fights. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But we're talking, again, we're talking about the very, very best. Uh, the margins for error are fairly slim. Uh, so I- I'm i not shocked by pretty much anybody beating anybody if we're talking that level. Uh, there are occasionally methods of victory that I find less likely. And we'll get to one of those earlier on this card, in fact, but... uh Ooh, boy. <laughs> that was something. A- anyway... But I won't be surprised if he. I won't be shocked if he loses. Um, but I will be. I pick him against that division, man. I don't care who you are at welterweight. I. Uh, I. I do not think that I. I will not pick against that man in that division for a while. He is. Uh, he is a. He is an all. He is very, very clearly an all-time great. You don't achieve what he's done uh, without uh, without uh, being an all-time great. Like his record of achievement deserves that distinction at this point. Um, you know, Jeff, you, uh, there was a, I forgot after which fight it was recently that Jeff kind of beat me over the head with he's a with you know why won't you call him a great champion? I wanted him to have a record of achievement as champion before weighing in on where he on him being a great champion. Um, and he's now got three title defenses. That's kind of one of my... I haven't... I don't have a like codified list of what I think you need to do to be a great champion, quote-unquote great. Uh, but I, one of the caveats I think I have is three title defenses. Uh, and maybe that's a bit unfair, but that's kind of where I... I think that's one of my things. Like, you need to... Have, I mean, you bare minimum need to have at least one... But I think you need, like, two if the level of opposition is stupidly high. Uh, I mean, that's why, like... uh, I mean, in somewhat fairness to this point, I'm not sure I consider Khabib a great champion until he beat... uh, Until he beat Gagey, actually. I mean, look, best fighter, best lightweight in the world... 100%. 100%. Best lightweight in history? I think so. But you need a record of achievement as a champion before I weigh in on where you fall as a champion. And a level of success at that... And, I mean, part of what held be back, and this is not his fault, he took the title when it was vacant in a fight against Alaya Quinta. I mean, again, he was supposed to fight Tony. <laughs> I'm not blaming him. It's not like he ducked that fight. But you know I, I can't I, I can only give you so much credit for what was supposed to happen versus what did happen. You beat a guy who was not supposed to be in that fight uh, you know full stop. <laughs> so that you know taking the belt from another great is uh, is certain certainly helps your case. And in the case of Usman, you know look, Woodley's not really anybody's favorite fighter uh, but. In fairness to Woodley, he notched, you know, several, he notched three. He had the draw with Thompson, beat Thompson, beat Maya, beat Till, actually. So technically, he had three, he had three, uh, he had three clear wins with his title and then technically defended it four times because of the draw with Thompson. That is a significant accomplishment. Uh, There's not really any two ways around that. Uh, again, fan favorite, not at all. Uh, pff, uh, pff, unless you're a raccoon, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, I, I mean, and to do it at his age, too. You know, he was the oldest welterweight champion in history when he won it. Uh, you say nothing know, when he lost it. So I'm not trying. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to diminish the guy. In fact, I kind of went to bat for him and saying, you know, what he accomplished as champion. You know, beating Robbie Lawler, who was, you know, maybe not a great champion, but a very fan-friendly one, then having a non-trivial reign with multiple title defenses, he was probably, again, he's in that tier right below GSP. You know, I, I, I believe that. I still think that, to be quite honest, unless you want to put limits on how many people are in that tier, in which case it comes down to, you know, Usman, and then if you only want one other person there, it's got to be him or Hughes, and that's kind of down to personal preference in some respects, but... Uh, he's, he, so he beat an all-time great to do it. And now he's got, again, three title defenses. Yeah, dude's a, gr- dude's great. He's always been a great, he's been a great fighter for a while now, for a few years at this point. Uh, I don't think that's, you know, that's certainly indisputable. And now that he's really kind of establishing a legacy as champion, yeah, he's a great champion at this point. Uh, he's achieved enough with it to to earn that distinction from where I sit. Uh, he overcame adversity. You know, he got hurt. He got hurt in that first round, man. Uh, there is a bit of a problem that's developing at welterweight, and I think we mentioned this. Um, we mentioned this before. But he's beaten a lot of the top guys. I mean, he's beaten. I'm going to pull up the rankings to confirm this, but he has beaten, of the top five contenders, he has beaten numbers one through four. Because as welterweight currently stands, numbers one, look, here's the here's the top of the division, right? If we go through the top ten. Burns, beat him. Cov- uh, Beat him here. Colby Covington, beat him. Leon Edwards, beat him. Jorge Masvidal beat him. Stephen Thompson, hasn't fought. Michael Chiesa, hasn't fought. Tyron Woodley, beat him. Damon Maya, beat him. To Neil Magny and Vicente Luque. So he's beaten 7 of the top 10 contenders. Look. That's kind of a problem. <laughs> uh it just is. <laughs> You've you don't want that. You want you need some divisional turnover here. Now uh Michael Chiesa might wind up making a run. Uh but look, his next fight is, I think Stephen Thompson's out injured after his last fight. So his next fight is probably a rematch. Now, whether that's Masvidal or Covington uh, remains to be seen. Look, Leon Edwards is kind of going to get screwed here. Um, his, uh, we'll talk a l- I suppose I can mention it now. But uh, he was supposed to fight Khamzat Shemayev. Shemayev pulled out of that. He's still dealing with COVID issues, uh, which really suck. They're looking for a replacement for that fight, but you know, with Stephen Thompson kind of out of the picture, he just you know knocked out Gilbert Burns in two and a, in a little over two rounds, you know, ten minutes and forty seconds, give or take, of fighting. Uh, so what, depending on what Covington does next, if he, you know, what his fight is, uh, Ma- after the fight, he called out Jorge Masvidal, said he wanted to fight him again, and given the Given the commercial success of their pay-per-view, which was done, let's be very clear about that fight, about the success of that pay-per-view. Mosfidal drew that money. Uh, he is just a, at the time, whether he still, is, whether this is still true or not, I'm not sure. I suspect it is. Mosfidal is the better drawing commodity. Um, there's some talk that they're going to do Mosfidal and Usman as the coaches for the Ultimate Fighter, and I want to die because I. Just vomit. Just vomit all over that concept. Leave that show dead. Uh, just, just, just leave it. It's dead. Let it, let it be. Let it be. Why? Sorry, not going to go on the tangent. Uh, but point being, you're going to get, you know, some combination of Covington, Mosfidal, or Edwards is probably next for him, and their rematches. And those fights were not especially. Uh, I shouldn't say they weren't competitive. His victory in all of them was definitive. Uh, look, where, again, the, the Covington fight was kind of a back-and-forth, blood-and-gut, sloppy brawl, and God bless him for it. Uh, a lot of people really, really liked that fight. It wasn't quite my cup of tea, the same way it was other people, but that's that's just that's personal opinion and nothing else. But yeah, you know, I that was a fine. I was okay with that finish. Uh, With the stoppage. Definitive. Leon Edwards. Uh, That was not an especially competitive fight. Now, that was years ago, and Edwards is not quite the same guy he was. But, uh, again, still kind of a tough... Still would be a rematch. And Masvidal... I thought the guy who gave Usman the first round, the judge who did, made a significant mistake. Uh, That was a very big error in judgment to my way of thinking. But he was not... Uh, but the other rounds were pretty clearly for Usman. So, I, uh, that again, that was non-controversial. Now, again, do you have angles to potentially sell that. I mean, Masvidal took that fight with Usman on six days' notice. I mean, do I think... Do I tend to think a rematch would look the same? Yeah, I kind of do. But, you know, I w- also wouldn't be shocked if Masvidal was able to find a way to beat him. It would not shock me. Not what I expect, but wouldn't shock me. But uh, Michael Chiesa's next fight is going to be a big one. If he can get one more, just the fact that he's new blood in the division will help out tremendous. Will help his case out tremendously in terms of potentially getting a title shot. Because again, Usman's beat seven of the top ten contenders. That's uh, that's something. When not some, when when somebody's done that now again some a. Uh, you know several of those were before his uh title reign but uh that's still that's still something um see what do, you do with I and mean, then Gilbert Burns man uh watching him just break down sobbing after uh, after the stoppage uh just has to break your heart a little bit i mean he's he's worked so you know every, all of these guys you know they work hard and he had to rebuild himself up a weight class. You know, and Burns is one of those guys who, a bit like you know, Masvidal and uh, you know, Khabib and uh, Rafael dos Anjos, that man would kill someone to get the UFC to finally recognize, a, to finally hold a 165-pound division. Because I think that's where he should be in terms of his height and his physique and his his body type, I think that's kind of ideal for him. His success at welterweight, where he's been undersized most of the time, is a testament to how good he is. Um, uh, I don't expect we've seen the last of him, but... uh, I don't think he's getting another title shot anytime soon. Uh, Which is just... It just sucks. I mean, Usman put out a tweet, and I, I, I'm i going to give him the benefit of the doubt in trying to be complimentary when he said, you know, you deserve to be in there with me. You're the next best guy in this division. But that's got to hurt. You know, I... I don't know. Maybe I'm just projecting too much of my own personality issues. But... Being the, being the second best, is it just hurts. I it, it uh, i don't know it, again it's kind of personal for me to to be to see that you know to be to be close to the best but not the best uh is just soul crushing because at that point if you're that close to the best but you can't get there what's the point you know uh, i'm not going to get into my personal issues too much but that That is a rough spot to be in. I don't envy that at all. Uh, at all. So I don't know what Burns is going to do. Uh, again, he seems to indicate he's going to continue fighting. I mean, I shouldn't say, like, that's any big shock. He's still a young guy. He's, I mean, he's only lost, what, twice in the UFC? Three times? Yeah, he's got three... This is his fourth. Okay, he's got four total losses, all of them in the UFC... To Rashid Magomedov, Michelle uh, Prezeresh, Dan Hooker, and now Kamaru Usman. Um, Magomedov's not with the UFC anymore. Prezeresh was... He missed weight for that, and uh, that was at lightweight. Then, you know, just got knocked out by Dan Hooker, who is kind of a monster. Then, you know... I mean, this was his first loss at welterweight ever. Uh, yeah, ever. He dropped to lightweight in the UFC for his second UFC fight. And the other three losses were in that weight class. Uh, yeah, it, Again, I I don't know exactly what he's going to do next, but... Uh, he's not in a good spot. Uh, as far as that goes. Anytime you lose to the champ, especially... Again, it's not like the man had no success. But you get finished inside of three rounds by the champion, you're going to have a hard road... Back to that title shot. That's that's just the way it is. Uh, so anyway, that was your main event. Kamaru Usman keeps on rolling. I I really hope they, I really hope that the Ultimate Fighter just stays dead. Uh, I've said that in the past. But whoever he fights next, again, it's probably a rematch depending on the timing. They want to keep at. I mean, Leon Edwards, you know, that poor guy, the worst luck. Some of just the I'm gonna I'm gonna just talk about this because it kind of dovetails in here and I'll just leave it out of talking about it later. Um, but Leon Edwards again, he had the he had some of the worst luck of anybody in 2020. I shouldn't say that of any fighter in 2020. You know, he was supposed to he was supposed to fight Tyron Woodley in a big main event showcase in London and. Would, and with a win, which I think he would have gotten, would have gotten a title shot. And it just, that all kind of fell apart. He got, I mean, he got COVID, lost a lot of weight. Uh, earlier this, uh, you know, just a couple of days ago, they announced that Edward, uh, again, that Shemaev is still having problems related to his, his bout with COVID because they both got it at some point. Uh, They're trying to keep that... They're trying to keep Edwards on that card together... On that card. That's UFC... uh, It'll be March. That's UFC on ESPN plus 45. This is the March 13th card. Uh, They're trying to keep Edwards there, and Edwards is calling out everybody under the sun. He wants to fight Nate Diaz. He wants to fight Jorge Masvidal. He wants to... uh, He's not getting the Diaz fight. Um, He's just not. There's no way Nate Diaz. Uh, there's no way Nate Diaz looks at that fight and decides that's a worthwhile use of his time and energy. And I don't mean that as an insult to Leon. You just have to look at it from Nate Diaz's perspective. He's only going. He's he's almost certainly only going to fight on pay-per-view, just straight up. Uh, maybe you could sweet talk him into something on ESPN or ABC maybe, but he's a pay-per-view guy at this point, and this is a ESPN Plus exclusive, ESPN Plus card. Uh, it's just really unlikely to happen. So, again, they're trying to keep Edwards on that card, and just, I mean he hasn't fought since July of 2019. So, it's going to be almost two years. I'd say almost two years. I mean, that's, you know, four months of uh, you know it's going to be eighteen months, probably in that ballpark A little over, depending on if they can even keep him on that particular card. I don't think they'll give a guy with that kind of a layoff with that who does not have a lot of fan support a title shot coming back from that layoff um, and it's not that they've never done that for somebody, but they don't do it uh, they don't do it for the Leon Edwardses of the world. They do it for the McGregors and the Rousies that's just uh that's just that's just the level of star power you need to have to get them to do that and Edwards does not have it at this point um or g s b again if you're a big star, they will go out of their way to accommodate that if you're not tough luck I guess uh which again sucks. But Edwards probably has one more. So we're probably dealing with a rematch between either Covington or Usman. It should be between Covington and Masvidal for Usman next. Uh, Would be my guess. As for Burns, I don't know. Burns, maybe... You could do Burns and Chiesa, but you're risking Chiesa as your only, like, fresh rising challenger at that point. Um, There's a lot of guys... Again, there's other people in that kind of top Ten-ish space he can fight. All right. Um, yeah. Again, Usman, I do kind of wonder how somebody's gonna beat him. I mean, he's a little bit vulnerable on the feet. Um, his his upper body movement is not great. His footwork is not great. Uh, I mean, he's with Trevor Whitman now, and that'll that will I think it, the longer that particular association goes. The more his footwork issue might get fixed. Uh, it's, it's just not great. Uh, and his, I mean, he's talked at length about how bad his knees are in general. It's one of the reasons, if you look at his wrestling, he doesn't shoot for doubles uh, from the outside. He doesn't do the blast thing. He tends to work his way in close and then work from the upper body. Now, he'll change levels from there, but he's not shooting from the outside very often. He's grabbing something and then working. And, you know, if your knees are completely... If your knees are a mess, then, yeah, you're not going to shoot like... That's how you're going to wrestle. Uh, I wonder if wrestling him isn't a... Might not be something people try to do. I mean, I don't think the man's ever been taken down in the UFC. Uh, I think RDA swept him once or twice in their fight. Um, I'd have to confirm that. But a lot of people just... And his takedown defense, to be clear, is good. But if you look at how he does it, he actually does kind of what you're supposed to do. He doesn't fight for underhooks right away so much as get his hips back. Uh, actually, I think that's reverse. I think he... Sorry. my. Uh, I'm, I'm, I might be misremembering a few of his exchanges here. He does get his hips back, but he doesn't really sprawl out. He's usually able to either fight for underhooks and get those up. Or just through upper body pressure as you try to shoot... You know, deter that motion and once you can't get a hold of his hips there's not uh, you'd wind up either you'd write up uh, clinch wrestling with him and that's just not a winning proposition for has not been a winning proposition for anyone thus far but I do wonder if someone's able to really kind of get on his legs uh, You know at, what he can do if he's put on his back for a prolonged period of time uh, you know, someone with a really kind of dedicated leg kick game who can make that work but uh yeah, he's again, he's the man. He is uh he is the man at 170 and good luck getting that belt off of him. All right, moving on to the rest of this card. Co-main event. This the rest of this is going to go a little faster. Alexa Grosso defeated Macy Barber via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. That was my scorecard. Barber just didn't have a whole lot through the first couple of rounds. She was doing a little bit of the Rashad Evans thing, where she's juking and jiving and feinting and and, you know, fainting and kind of throwing out the jab, but it's all coming from about a foot further away than it needs to, if not more. So you don't actually have to react to any of it. I mean, people used to compliment Rashad's head movement because he would, you know, kind of shuck He would, he would you know, kind of shuck, shrug his shoulders and move his head a lot when he was in distance. But then as soon as he tried to actually close, his head was straight up in the air and was very susceptible to counters in that respect. Uh, little bit of that going on here for Barber. Grasso, just very smooth uh, with her hands in the first couple of rounds. Ro- uh, wobbled Barber a couple of times. Uh, just, you know, nice punching combination. Some good grappling that she showed. Uh, third round, Barber just went uh, bad out of hell style and was able to take the round but all, again too little too late as she couldn't uh, couldn't get the finish which she would have needed. Uh you know flyweight needs women's flyweight needs more contenders. This is Grosso's first winning streak, however. Uh she's still a little bit off, but you know might still be able to she's young enough. She can make and women's flyweight is certainly shallow enough. She can make a run of it. Uh, for Barber, whose ambition was primarily to beat John Jones's record as the youngest UFC champion. Uh, two losses in a row, especially with the timetable that she's kind of set for herself. Uh, I won't say... I mean, that was always going to be a long shot, even if she had won here, to achieve that goal, considering Valentina Shevchenko is, you know, the end boss of that division. <laughs> uh, that was always going to be a tough... Ask, but with two losses here, uh, and two losses back to back, I won't say impossible because, you know, people fall out of fights all the time and whatnot, but uh, probably fairly close to a statistical impossibility at this point. Uh, certainly, barring anything crazy. Certainly, if trends continue as they are now, and she's not able to kind of get a couple of really, really quick, emphatic wins over uh respect opposition in rapid succession due to, you know, people falling out of fights or whatnot. Uh, alright. Let's see. Kelvin Gastelum defeated Ian Heinish for the unanimous decision. 30-27 and then 2-29-28. Uh, I was 30-27, Gastelum. Don't quite get 29-28. Uh, Gastelum went back to his wrestling, kind of, if you wanted a loose breakdown of this. Had some decent punches on the feet, but, uh, just... That was kind of the—he was able to get Heinisch down, control him, or scramble control—not quite as much—but he scram he outscrambled Heinisch a lot. Heinisch had moments, um, but he just ultimately wound up being a little bit behind Gastelum. Ricky Simone defeated Brian Kelleher via unanimous decision, 30-27, in uh, all three judges. Uh, Ricky Simone's a handful, man. Uh, he is not an easy guy to deal with. I mean, even the people that have beaten him. I mean, he... I'm never going to forgive him for losing that fight to Uriah Faber. Because he shouldn't have. But he did. Because he's still susceptible to that straight right. Well, not even straight, but kind of the overhand right. Uh, I mean, the Rob Font loss was a lot more... uh, A lot more kind of... You could pick Rob Font in that fight pretty easily, I mean easily might be a bit of a stretch, but with their rel- with their skill sets, font winning that fight makes a lot of s- makes sense. Old man Faber coming out of retirement to fight Ricky simone Ugh shouldn't happen, but you know Simone's kind of back on track. Get him a shot at, get him somebody in the top. you know he was ranked coming into this, I seem to recall uh, I still got the rankings up. He should have been if he wasn't. Was he seriously not? Okay, that's ridiculous. That is straight-up ridiculous. Hang on, let me look at the re- He probably should have been there over Song Yadong. Maybe over Cody Stamen. So, I, again, I'm not saying, you know, top five or anything. But... Yeah, he should have been ranked. He really should have. (laughs) Uh, Actually, eh. Hang on, this was only three in a row. I mean, technically this fight was at featherweight, but they're both bantamweights. Okay, yeah, he should probably be... He should probably take Casey Kenny's place after this fight. Uh, But get him some ranked opposition next. And kicking off the main card, we had a really... A really interesting, interesting is the wrong word, a really, really engaging kind of brawl between Julian Marquez and Maki Patolo. Patolo won the first two rounds mostly through his wrestling. They engaged in some brawling, uh, both men finding success there, but Patolo's ability to either get takedowns or mat returns or just get around and kind of control the back for periods of time was leading him to victory. Then in the third, Marquez just kind of went full-blown Michael Myers zombie mode and just kept pressuring Patolo, kept hitting him, wobbled him a couple of times, then uh, Patolo kind of had a bad shot. Sprawled, went for a went for a guillotine, switched to an anaconda as he missed kind of pulling guard. Got the tap, 417 of the third. Uh, kind of surprised this wasn't your fight of the night be quite candid there was no fight of the night awarded uh this was a wild momentum swingy uh again not the most technically sophisticated fight but a you know engaging brawl in that respect and i mean marquez had been out for 30 over 30 months i think uh i mean just really really long layoff uh, so good for him to get back in the winning column, get back to just being active. Uh, Alright, on the prelims, here's our big one. <laughs> Anthony Hernandez defeated Adolfo Vieira via submission. This is... Ta- I hate calling this a guillotine choke because it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. Uh, I, I I just call it what John Danaher does at this point, and that's the seated arm triangle. It's like a guillotine, but normally with the, again if with the guillotine, you have either the arm in or the arm out variety. If the arm is out, then that's just both of my hands, then you know, both of your hands are outside of the choke or of the choking apparatus, or one is inside, and then I have an overhook around it. So if I'm cho- if my left arm is around your neck, and your left arm is kind of around my body, my right will be overhooking your arm, pinning it in place, and then reaching through and grabbing the choking. Uh, grabbing the grip. This variation has that same... If you're in that same position, so your right arm is the arm that's going to be trapped, instead of being across my body and my right arm overhooking it, it's trapped between your neck and my... and the left side of my body. So it's all the way across like an arm triangle. And then hands come together, you squeeze. Um, uh, Jack Hermanson has hit this a number of times. Um... He almost got jockeys with it. In fact, Hermanson did. Uh, it's it's a really strong technique. So, uh, so to different, so do not have to go into detail about the guillotine variations, I just go with John Danaher and call it the seated arm triangle. And he caught that on Hadolfo Vieira and phew, made him tap. I struggle to put into context how big a deal that is. Um, Here's a random statistic for you. Uh, First of all, Adolfo Vieja, one of the finest jiu-jitsu black belts of his generation, a multiple-time world champion in the gi and a multiple-time world champion out of the gi. The stat that got kind of brought up about this relates primarily to ADCC gold medalists, the Abu Dhabi Combat Club. ADCC gold medalists who had transitioned into the UFC had a total record of something like Uh, Like 66, 43, 2, and 1. Something like that. So, generally winning. However, the big caveat. Of all those losses. None of them had been submitted. Until now. Of all the... And plenty of them lost fights. Again, had a winning record. But, you know, like 66 and 42. Something like that. I, I forget the exact number. But... In all those fights, in all those years, none of them had ever been submitted. Uh, now, look, was cardio a factor in this particular thing? 100%. Was phys- was damage to the head a thing? Yes. Even with that, making a guy like v- uh, like Adolfo tap, that is a significant accomplishment. Hernandez was in some bad spots early, too. He got taken down. He got mounted. Uh, Vieja kept after that arm triangle, and Hernandez just kind of stuck with the basics uh, of defense, utilizing some of that to his advantage, and, uh, Vieja gassed himself out pretty badly, took a bunch of damage, uh, big kudos to Hernandez, man, that is a feather in his cap that he made Adolfo Vieja tap out. Um, Bilal Muhammad defeated Diego Lima via unanimous decision, 30-27, fairly standard stuff here. Uh, Mohammed a lot of forward pressure, kind of brawling. Uh, Lima did a better job of takedown defense and clinch breaking than he had in the past, but just couldn't get Muhammad to back off him. Had some good calf kicks, but never quite, and it never did enough damage to kind of really force Muhammad uh, off of his game plan. Pollyanna Viana defeated Mallory Martin via armbar, 318 of the first. A nice enough finish from Viana. She transitioned from a triangle choke to the armbar. It was pretty nice. Chris Gutierrez defeated Andre Yule via unanimous decision, 30-26, 29-28, 29-27. I don't object to Gutierrez getting a 10-8 third. I didn't go there, but again, I don't object to it. Uh, fun little fight, nothing great and then kicking everything off, Gabriel Green defeated Philip Rowe via unanimous decision, 30-27, and then two 29-28s. Um, I remember very little of that fight, but, uh, decent stuff from Green, who had a, I think he had a rough first round and then just kind of gutted through it. Kept pressuring Rowe, hurt him with leg kicks. Uh, so, you know, good on him. And, yeah, that was the card. Only ten fights uh still went long because they just kept pushing back the start time this uh I'm not sure how much I love that, but again main event uh, serious kudos to Kamaru Usman for the finish for the you know the grit to overcome that particular that first round uh yeah uh all in all, not a bad event not a bad event uh there were some lulls, but yeah that's this was not for as. Lackluster as this was on paper, I would say it actually over-delivered. On the whole. But you can find my full report for that event in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania if you're so inclined. And thank you to everyone who reads that either after the fact or for those of you who were following along live during the event. Thank you all very much. I always appreciate any support you gentlemen and ladies can give me. I assume mostly guys. I just kind of know my audience in that respect, but I don't wish for any... Uh, for anyone to be excluded. All right, moving on. This coming... Eh, it's coming Saturday. UFC on ESPN plus 43. Uh, yeah, this is not an especially compelling card on paper. Um, there are three heavyweight fights on the main card. What did I do to deserve that? Ow. <laughs> Alright, main event. The main event is a relevant enough fight. Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis. Um, we know that the next heavyweight title fight is going to be the rematch between Steve Miocic and Francis Ngannou. Presumably, the next fight for the winner of that, regardless of who it is, is going to be John Jones. Which is going to leave this winner kind of out in the cold one way or the other. But uh, that's also somewhat pursuant to the, the timetable that John Jones will be able to uh, show up on. Whether or not the UFC even wants to, if they want to give him a fight at heavyweight before they give him a title shot, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So, still a lot of uncertainty. The winner here will almost certainly be some kind of player in the title picture, immediate in the immediate title picture. Um, as for the fight, I mean, look, Curtis Blades has only ever lost to Francis Ngannou. He's got some of the better wrestling that heavyweight has at the moment. He's good about maintaining top control. He's good about dealing damage from that position. And Derek Lewis is not exactly good about staying off of his back. He's pretty good about getting up on occasion... But he's—I mean, everybody has taken that guy down, and got significantly worse wrestlers than Curtis Blades have taken him down. I—I uh, I won't be so sur- again. Could Derek Lewis score some kind of miracle knockout? In fact, uh, if this were three rounds, I would actually favor Blades more. Being five rounds, he's gonna have to not give he's gonna have to not gas himself out. Um, Lewis for all my, for all the criticism of Derek Lewis, the man is fairly decent about uh, utilization of energy. I don't think he has good cardio that he's an enormous human being. How could he? But I think he's pretty good about managing his energy. And if Blades really gasses himself, uh, Lewis is going to swing for the fences whenever you give him the opportunity. So over five rounds, I actually think that gives Lewis a better chance at finding one of those punches. Uh, I still favor... I still favor Derek Lewis. I mean... uh, I still favor Curtis Blades. I do not favor Derek Lewis in this fight. (laughs) <laughs> to be abundantly clear. That was not some kind of Freudian slip. Uh I like Blades here. I I just think it's a bad matchup for Derek Lewis. Uh whether or not Whether or not Blades can finish him will remain to be seen. You know, if you look at all of Derek Lewis's losses in the UFC, they've all been finishes. He was knocked out by Matt Mitrione, he was TKO'd by Sean Jordan, he was TKO'd by Mark Hunt, he was Submitted by Daniel Cormier, and then TKO'd by Junior Dos Santos. Uh, Somewhere along the way, he also almost got knocked out by uh, Alexander Volkov. Um, So, Lewis might be able to finish him. Uh, And that will kind of remain to be seen. Sorry, Blades might be able to finish him. If Lewis wins, it will be via finish. That's kind of where my head was at that moment. The only way Lewis can win this is V I don't see a world where he's able to win at least three rounds in a five-round fight against Curtis Blades. Uh, that that just strikes me as very unlikely. Uh, so Blades has, again, a little bit more ways to win. I tend to think he'll just kind of re- uh, wear on Derek Lewis. Uh, <laughs> wear him out, Matt return him, beat him up. Stoppage or not, eh. But, yeah, Blades, those two losses to Nganu are really, are really kind of glaring losses for Blades, especially if uh, Nganu wins the belt. Uh, Selling him, uh, selling a third fight between those two is a really hard thing to do. Uh, The rest, I'm going to go kind of quick through the rest of this. Uh, Ketlin Vieja will fight Yana Kunitskaya. Uh, Vieja's coming off of... She rebounded after getting knocked out. Irina Aldana knocked her out. Uh, she rebounded by beating Sajara Eubanks, uh, whereas Kunitskaya... A little bit up and down in the UFC thus far. Um, she's, what, 3-2 and two in the UFC? Yeah. Um, probably should favor Vieja. She's she's the one that they they were trying really hard to get her towards the title, and then again... Irina Aldana knocked her... Aldana knocked her out, man. That was a nasty knockout. Uh, featherweight Charles Rosa and Derek Minner. Favor Rosa there. Um, a heavyweight. Alexio Linick and Chris Uh Doukas? Uh, I always mispronounce this guy's name when I just think about it. So I'm gonna go with... I'm just gonna call him Daukas at the moment. Um, This is actually a fairly interesting fight. Daukas is, I believe, 2-0 with the Uf- uh, in the UFC at heavyweight. He's got fast hands. He's a lighter heavyweight. Uh, what's Olenek done recently? I mean, Olenek's, you know, history. He, Olenek coming off of that loss to Derek Lewis, he almost tapped Lewis in that fight. Hmm. Logically, Olenek should win this. Um, I'm actually, however, going to kind of lean towards Dacus. I think Olenek might be getting a little bit long in the tooth. Uh, just a hunch. I don't know. Again, very prepared to be wrong there. I'm kind of taking a flyer on that one. Uh, then another heavyweight fight. Andre Arlovsky and Tom Aspinall. Aspinall had a... I think he's fought twice in the UFC. I rem- at least once. Uh, I want to confirm whether or not he got to two. Because his, his UFC debut, I actually kind of recall, he uh, knocked the crap out of somebody. Uh, I forget who he did it to, but he he uh, he wrecked somebody's whole night. Did I fall out or something? Where are you? Where are you? Because he is... Why am I not seeing this? one of these out of date? That is odd. I am not seeing it on the topology list for this particular card. It is listed on the wiki. Hmm. That is a little bit odd. I mean, I guess I'll find them on topology. It's not like that's... A terribly difficult thing. Let's see. Tom Aspinall. Nine and two. Yeah, two wins in the UFC. Okay. Uh, The Jake Collier one is the one I was thinking of. That was his debut. And then, yeah, when he beat uh, Alan uh, Bodat. I can't remember how to pronounce that gentleman's last name. I apologize. It's listed there. Why isn't it listed here? Am I just stupid and couldn't see it? Yeah, I'm just stupid and couldn't see it. There it is. Okay, my mistake. Uh, I like Aspinall here. I mean, look, Arlovsky has kind of kept on chugging uh, after he probably shouldn't have. But he also keeps winning. He's on a two-fight winning streak. Uh, I tend to think Aspinall might be a little bit too much for him. But Arlovsky is really good about slowing everything down and forcing you to fight the fight he wants you to fight. And that's a hard thing for a lot of guys to deal with. Uh, So, won't be shocked if Arlovsky wins, but... You'd like to think that sooner or later, one of these young rising heavyweights that they keep pairing Arlovsky with is actually going to get the job done. Uh, Also, a featherweight fight between Rafael Alves and Pat Sabatini. Uh, We don't have a fully confirmed bout order for all of this yet, so I'm flying a little bit blind here. As far as that goes, um, Alves... 19 and 9. Uh, this is his UFC debut, whereas Sabatini also his UFC debut. So and a couple of debutants there. Uh, probably favor Alves. Looking at their records, Alves 19 and 9, Sabatini 13 and 3. Uh, all right, let's keep going. Phil Haas and Nasruddin Im- Imavov. Haas looked darn good in his UFC debut. Imovov has looked pretty darn good as well. That... Jeez. Uh, pff, that is a... That's actually a tougher fight to pick than you might think. Um, Imovov... Why is he... Okay, I don't know if this is... Del- He's fighting out of France, okay, but the man's born... He was born in Russia. Was he raised? I think he was raised in France. And that's... Because I remember getting a little bit annoyed at the... Because he's listed as being from France. He's got the French flag next to his name. And, I mean, if that's where he fights out of and that's what he chooses to represent, then fair play. Uh, Anyway, he looked pretty darn good in his UFC debut. Uh, He's got a... What? Six-fight winning streak. Uh, Whereas Hawes. Uh, He beat the brakes off of uh, Jacob Malkoon in his UFC debut. He had a pretty solid... uh, His Contender Series win to get into the UFC was actually quite good, too. I mean, he, he he put a lot of... He put kind of a beating on Julian Marquez in their Contender Series fight in 2017. Marquez, just almost impossible to finish, apparently. And then head kicked him. Went on a winning streak, got back into the Contender Series, and then beat... Uh, Kazimurat Besteyev, which is a name I seem to recall. I might be confusing him with someone. Uh, I think I've caught one or two of his... No, I'm confusing him with somebody else. Uh, I, I forget who, but... My apologies to all the gentlemen with names similar to that. Uh, a lot of them trying to run together unless I have a very clear memory attached to them. Um, anyway, point being, uh, that is, that's a, that is uh you know, it's not going to pop a lot of people, but if you know, you know about those two. I kind of like Haas, but that's a good fight. So you have Danny Chavez. I'm going to go, I'm going to assume Chavez and not Chavez, but I, if I'm wrong, I apologize. And Jared Gordon. Um, probably go with Jared Gordon on that one. Dricar Close and Luis Pena, Pena stepping in on short notice. I don't have a problem picking Close here. Uh, Close is a tough guy to deal with. I mean, he's only got two losses in the UFC, only two losses, period. One to David Tamer, where he just couldn't deal with the stick and move, and then he uh, had a back and forth kind of brawl with Dricar, with excuse me, with Benil Darius before he got knocked out. Uh, Eddie Wineland and John Castaneda. Go with Wineland, but yeah, Julian Arosa and Nate Landwehr, I'm just... I can't pick Julian Arosa, man. I can't do it. (laughs) He's had three stints in the UFC. Well, this is his third. So he debuted in the UFC. uh, Went 1-1 and and got cut. Fought his way back in. Went 0-3 and got cut. Made a short-notice turnaround. Uh... Made a short no- Stepped in on short notice at Poirier, the Poirier versus Hooker event and got a win. So in his third, uh, I'm picking Nate Landwehr. Uh, Shauna Dobson and Casey O'Neill. I'm okay picking Dobson there. Chaz Skelly and Jamal Emmers. I need to look up Mr. Emmers if I can find him. To do. Wait, should I pick? I shouldn't pick Shauna sorry, my mistake. I was confusing Shauna Dobson with uh Ah, now I'm blanking on her name. <laughs> Dang it. Uh I think I'm I think I was confusing her with Sajara Eubanks for some reason. Uh I'll pick Casey O'Neill over Shauna Dobson. Shauna's like a four and four. Emmers, um, the one I wanted to look up. One and one in the UFC. I'm remembering his fight with Giga Chikadze. I think that's it. Uh, that's not his most recent one. He, bound, he lost that, but I think that's the one I'm remembering. Um, you, Skelly's a tough guy to deal with, but ah, he's just also been so up and down, you know. Quick look through Skelly in a little bit more detail. I'll go with Skelly there but again wouldn't be shocked if he loses Eamon Zahabi will fight Draco Rodriguez that's when I just don't think I pick Eamon Zahabi to anyone he's lost twice in the UFC I mean not to Scrubs but still and Rodriguez yeah, I'll pick Rodriguez might regret that one but I'm going to and then Sergey Spivak and Jared Vander, excuse me. Uh Vanderrah. Um Vandera's fought in the UFC before, yes? Uh I No? Why is his name so familiar? Hmm. I don't know why his Oh, I know. <laughs> I know why his name's familiar. Okay. Uh, the, he's coming in off of the off of a win on the Contender Series, and, the, and he beat Harry Hunsucker to get there. And I think there were just... I think I saw some highlights of that, or there were just a lot of jokes about the, the names involved. I don't know. Again, I might also be confusing him with somebody else. Um, I'm okay picking Spivak there. Uh, Spivak's got a couple of losses in the UFC, but you know, Walt Harris and Marcin Tabora, and... Fondera, I don't think, is of quite that same caliber. Uh, that said, mid to it's still mid-ish level heavyweight, so either guy winning should not surprise anyone. Uh, anyway, that is UFC on ESPN Plus 43. So, Saturday the 20th, I will have coverage in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania, so please do stop by and say hello. I will always appreciate whatever support you all are willing and able to lend me. Alright, let's move on. I have, because I have to talk about Bellator. And I make a lot of jokes about Bellator. And will in the future, I imagine, as well. But uh, Bellator had a big announcement this last week. They are moving. They are no longer going to be on... uh, They were on the Paramount Network. I think they were. I think that's where they were for a while. They had some split deal with them in DAZN. That fell apart or hadn't been active for a while. Uh, They spent the last, like, couple of months of 2020 not doing anything. I think they had one event in November, maybe. I'd have to double-check that. Uh, Anyway, their announcement, they will now be on Showtime. Uh, Scott, the current Bellator president, CEO, whatever he is. uh, Scott Coker, of course, ran Strikeforce on Showtime for several years to a fair amount of success. So there's something of a relationship there uh, that Coker can kind of work with. And they also announced uh they're going to be holding a light heavyweight grand prix. <sighs> um they we have the brackets for this. Uh jeez. So on the one hand, Bellator's light heavyweight division is actually not bad. It's not great because it's light heavyweight, but if we're looking at uh, it's not a, it's not bad. It's uh, that's the best way to say it. It's not a bad crop of talent that they have there. All things considered. Um that's again that kind of said. It is light heavyweight. Um on one side of the bracket, we have uh, two fights. They're, going, they're both going to take place on April 9th. The other side of the bracket will take place April 16th. Two semifinals will be in July. The finals in October. That's the way this is currently laid out. Whether or not that holds up remains to be seen. Well, on one side of the bracket, we have uh, Ryan Bader versus Lyoto Machida. Ryan Bader was knocked out by current champion Vadim Nemkov last year to lose his light heavyweight title, which he had still held despite not defending it for quite some time as he pursued heavyweight gold. He is technically the Bellator heavyweight champion. I think if he's going to participate in this tournament, they should strip him of that title. Uh, look, I, I'm not saying the Bellator's heavyweight division is great. But it's really unfair for them to tie up that title for the entire year of 2021, potentially, while this guy screws around at 205. Uh, I'm not necessarily cool with that. Uh, Now, this could be a whole lot simpler if Lyoto Machida repeats what he did to them the last time they fought and knocks him out. (laughs) Uh, Which he might, I don't know. Uh, The other fight on that particular side of the bracket we have cory anderson uh recently left the ufc he will be fighting i'm going to butcher this gentleman's first name because i can't really see it all that well on this picture so a, hang on, let me before i and before i do anything stupid oh sweet i have a better picture yes um he will be fighting i don't recognize that flag i'm going to have to look that up at some point now <laughs> Uh, because I want to know where he's from. Okay, he's from Turkmenistan. I uh, haven't seen that particular flag a whole lot before, so that's why I didn't recognize it. Anyway, again, I'm going to butcher his name. I apologize in advance. Uh, uh, Yash, excuse me, Yagshimuradov. So, Dolvitzad uh, Yagshimuradov. Inadvertently put on a terrible accent there. I apologize. Um Kind of expect Anderson to win that, but I'm not familiar enough with Yagshid Muradov to have a really strong opinion. Has he been in Bellator for a while? No. This is his Bellator debut. He does, however, have a very long winning streak dating back to 2016 and consisting of eight fights across both the WWFC promotion and ACB. Uh, Both ACB and ACA after after ACB became ACA, I guess. Or is ACA a different promotion? Because ACB came out of a a different merger, I think, than ACA. Nope, I'm mistaken. It was uh, ACB merged with something else to become ACA. I apologize for that. Um, But, again, that's not a... Whatever you want to make of the, uh, the moral hazards, or the ethical hazards of, uh, you know, uh, Ramzan Kadyrov's association and you know, ownership of that particular promotion, and his list of documented humanitarian cr- you know, crimes against humanity and whatnot, uh, right. human rights violations, uh, setting... I'm going to set that aside... For the sake of just saying, there's a lot of talented fighters in that organization. And having a good run through that organization says something about your ability to fight. I hope I can say that without, again, stirring up controversy about uh, anything else related to, again, you want to talk about the morals and ethics... Fine, that's a valid discussion to have. I have no issues with the sanctions that have been leveled against uh, Kadyrov and his properties, including the promotion that was handed down by the uh, the I forget which I forget which bureaucratic organization here in the United States that was handed down to not uh, a little bit last year. Not taken. Yeah, i I'm. This is just to say there is a non-trivial level of talent, a fighter in that organization. So him having a good run through there is. does in fact speak well of his fighting ability. Uh, So he might pull that off. Other side of the bracket, we have Bellator light heavyweight champion Vadim Nemkov fighting Phil Davis. It's unclear from all the press releases and stories that I've read whether or not Nemkov's title will actually be on the line, whether or not that title will be on the line throughout this tournament. I don't know. Um, It might be, it might not be. We'll have to see. Um, I tend to favor Nemkov there. Nemkov is... I mean, look, I don't mean to sell Phil Davis short. He's just a little bit over the hill at this point, and uh, Nemkov's just not an easy guy to handle. Other side of the, the other half of that bracket, Anthony Rumble Johnson against Yoel Romero. I... What do you say about that? <laughs> I you can't I almost don't have to say anything. It's going to be Rumble and Rem- and the Soldier of God. Uh that should be nuts. So, that's the current bracket. Um kind of feels like they're angling for the Bader Nemkov rematch to take place in the finals. Uh whether again whether or not we actually get to that or not remains to be seen. So, that's what Bellator has announced at the moment. So, uh, we'll loosely be paying attention to that. Apparently, the winner will get the Grand Prix title, potentially the Bellator light heavyweight title. Again, that depends on whether or not that belt will be defended throughout those fights, because uh, even if Davis wins, then he would be the champion enough to defend it against the winner of Johnson Romero, etc., etc., et cetera, et cetera. so, uh, and presumably, so presumably, there will be the Grand Prix title. Not sure about the light heavyweight title and then a million dollar prize package or whatever. Um, Bellator making the best of what they have here, uh, and I say that you know I mean that uh, sincerely. That's not a you know for a tournament setup. That's not a bad one. Uh, it's really not. So we'll again pay kind of attention to that a little bit and. <laughs> Uh, that poor guy's mis- name is misspelled in that particular piece. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so we'll pay attention to that and see what comes of it as time goes on. All right, last news item that I have listed here. So, Dana White is still in denial about Khabib Nurmagomedov retiring. Um, he's talked a little bit about making Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier 3, uh, However, he said that won't be for the belt. Khabib has, in fact, been saying... He did... Like, Dana said that, that this won't be for the title. Uh, he also mentioned, you know... So, somebody kind of mentioned, so could we do a lightweight tournament? His response was no. But, you know, the top seven guys are going to wind up fighting each other anyway, and we'll know who's the best. And we all collectively face palmed because, hey, we could have just had a tournament. Um, He's... He said I think one of his quotes was the UFC has not moved on from Khabib, he is still the lightweight champion. Around the same time, Khabib did an inter- apparently did an interview with some Russian uh, like in Russian, so with a news outlet so and said, "Yes, I am perfectly willing to relinquish the title. <laughs> All they have to do is ask for it." This makes no sense to me. Um, and freely that's probably because there's some information this information that I have to be missing. Um... I almost don't know... This is comical, right? This has gotten comical. Khabib's saying I'm done. He is saying that to anyone who asks him. Anytime he is asked about this, this is his response. I'm done. I'm happy to give them the belt. He said he thought Dustin Poirier should be champion. Like, that's... at. There's not too many people in a better position to comment on who should be you know I've beaten all these guys, so who should take so who should be champion now like he's saying he's done ah. somebody said this on Twitter. I apologize, I don't remember your handle, but I saw this in kind of a discussion on Twitter that w- was put out Someone speculated, and that's all I'm doing here is speculating. Dana's insistence on this is very it's different from how he's approached uh other fighters in this particular situation um you know when Rhonda got head kicked and went away he's you know he didn't pre- he didn't kind of uh put on this kind of pressure when connor you know went to boxing and whatnot you know there there may have been some acrimony. But he never, he never did this kind of cell job, you know. Uh, it's a weird one, and the the speculation, or the you know the 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 possibility that was kind of I saw brought up. They have a deal with uh, the U A the uh, the United Arab Emirates, the U A E, for their um their time in Abu Dhabi. They're getting, you know, site fees and uh, everything and, and whatever relationship they have with the, you know, the city, the government, the whatever level of the government they have their relationship with. I'm not sure, but if part of their deal with them is contingent on, say, a certain number of Khabib fights taking place there, that might be a uh, that might be a big deal they're getting a lot of money for that, uh, and if say they ne- say their deal required a total of you know four fights in that you know in some you know in Abu Dhabi, whatever this particular venue, featuring Nurmagomedov, and if he's done after two, because both the Poirier and the Gagey fights took place in Abu Dhabi. But if there's some other bit of the UFC's, n- to be clear, not Khabib's, but the UFC's deal with uh, this, with Abu Dhabi or the UAE more generally, or again, however that breaks down, I'm not entirely sure. Um, if that's if that's part of the con, if that's part of the contract that they signed with them, that might be a very big deal. Uh, now, again, to be abundantly clear. I don't know that, but the way Dana is behaving about this, it's not his usual, um, it's not the usual promotional greed, and I, in this particular instance, I'm not entirely sure that greed is a bad thing, uh, but he certainly wants to do Khabib versus Connor two, or yeah, two. Why wouldn't you? Their first fight's the most successful pay-per-view the UFC has ever done. Uh, This, a rematch, could be bigger. Certainly it would do about the same. So you're looking at a two or so million buy event. That's a lot. That is a lot. Of course they want to do that. If you look at similar circumstances in the past, however... When the when the winds change, Dana has been willing to move on. Um, I'm I'm hard pressed to come up with too many specific examples, but you know, a, a third fight between Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir never happened. That certainly would have been a valuable fight to make. Um, geez, what are some other? I'm sure there are other examples that people can think of. My I'm just not finding too many off the top of my head at the moment. Um Yeah, there uh there's just when when there has been something the UFC has wanted to do in that respect, but the winds of you know, the winds of change blow, they're not they haven't ever really hesitated to move on. You know, uh, oh, sure, here's another one. Uh, Rousey and Holm. You know, Dana said, if I can't, if we don't do Rousey, if we don't do a rematch between those two next, I should lose my promoter's license. It's a ridiculous stance to take. But, you know, they moved on from that. Uh, they're just, they've very rarely been this, uh, they, in this case, you know, largely Dana, this singularly stubborn about something i mean uh another one Uh, gsp and johnny hendrix you know when everybody and to be fair i scored that fight for gsp but yeah i don't object to anyone that scored it for hendrix necessarily best way to phrase that when he came out after that and said, you know, GSP owes it to the fans, he owes it to the sport, he owes it to blah, 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 blah. You know, when it was clear that George wasn't, they moved on. They said, fine, Hendricks and Lawler, vacant title, do it. And it is just, it makes their, so, point being, now, again, was Hendricks and GSP, the you know, mega event that Conor Khabib won, was no. But it represented a fair... Ch- it represented a big chunk of money. You know, that that wasn't nothing. It's It's just odd, I think, that they've been this stubborn about this guy. And I do wonder what other variables are at play when it comes to that, because... If it was just the UFC wants to cash in Conor Khabib too, I feel like they would have moved on just to make the point that they could. The UFC does not like to be leveraged. It makes me wonder who's leveraging them to stick on this. Because it's not Khabib. It's not Conor. Some force is... There is some force on the UFC other than the normal forces of them wanting to make the most money that is kind of sticking this point. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I suspect, just based on past behaviors, I kind of feel like there's something else going on here. Now, what it is in particular, I have no idea. But it, it doesn't feel like everything else that they've done, you know? when they've whenever they've been in this position in the past uh they've made a point that we can just keep the machine moving and you can and if you want to keep, you know, getting paid, you can jump back on but we are not beholden to you kind of feels like they need Khabib at this point though, doesn't it for something? Because if they don't need him then they should vacate the title and put it up for grabs in a fight. That's what they've done in the past every other time this has come up. Uh, Every other time they've wanted to do a rematch and somebody got injured and somebody lost, they just kind of put their hands in the air and said, well, we got to move on. Uh, Just a little bit. Again, maybe I'm being... uh, I'm trying not to be too, you know... Outlandish here, but all my point. Last, time, last thing on this: this does this is atypical behavior in uh, relative to everything they've done in the past in similar circumstances, which does lead me to believe there is something else going on. There is some other variable at play, some other factor that is influencing them to do this instead of what they have normally done. And I I do kind of wonder what that is. Uh, all right, that's enough wild speculation from me. <laughs> uh, let's take one quick look through Twitter and see if anything crazy has happened in relationship to MMA and if that needs to be discussed. All right, nope. Looks like the MMA world is somewhat quiet at the moment or my feed is just too full of... Uh, for wrestling-related things. Because there's an NXT event going on right now. Anyway. Plugs. Uh, let's see. I have a couple of movie reviews coming out this week. I was supposed to do one Thursday, but I misread the schedule. And I also... Look, I'm just blaming, by and large, the... Not completed Root Canal. I don't want to get too far into that. But my... uh, On Wednesday, I had one that was unable to be finished. So, I was a little bit... I'm still a little bit wonky. But, uh, again, that that's entirely on me. But Monday will be the makeup one. I will be with uh, on Damn You Hollywood with Sean Comer. I believe it's his first time on that particular program. We'll be talking about the Netflix original... Uh, the, uh, it's a Korean-language mostly Korean-language film, Space Sweepers. So we'll be talking about that on Monday. On Tuesday, on the normal Damn You Hollywood schedule, Alexis Haina and I will be reviewing the... Nicholas Cage insanity that I assume, I assume insanity that will be Willy's Wonderland. So you can look forward to both of those coming, and ah, I forget the date. At some point in the future, I think uh, I forget exactly when. I can't remember if it's this month or next, one of the two. Anyway, in the nearish future, uh, Mark's daughter apparently is kind of an anime nerd. And I've been known to enjoy some anime in my time. So apparently, they, uh, Mark, and both his, uh, both Mark and his daughter said, "Sure, come talk with us about it." So we'll be doing a review for the wildly popular Demon Slayer anime. Uh, the manga, of course, finished up its run in December of last year. I think was the final, uh, final little bit of that. And I mean, went on to just catastrophic. I shouldn't say catastrophic. Uh, huge success I mean the thing sold like 84 million units in it in 2020 just ridiculous numbers Uh, so some point in the future you can listen to Mark, me, and his daughter uh, talk about that that'll be an interesting experiment if nothing else I imagine Um, and I think that's it for me Um, oh no Sorry, I, I don't think I did this last time. There is a review uh, with myself, David Wright, and Mark Rattles. We are talking about part three of the Netflix original *Disenchantment* series. So you can find all of those on the Rattles and Broadcasting Network, uh, a subpart of the W2M Network. Wherever you find podcasts, you can find that. That's W letter, excuse me, W number two M network. Uh, that's where a lot of my other podcasting stuff happens is under that banner. So if you enjoy this show and you want to hear my take on movies, television, occasionally alternate commentaries for boxing, all that good stuff, uh, you can find me over there for you know, doing a lot of that. So, find That's what I've got. And uh, the recent past, that's what i got coming up. Thank you all again very much for being here, for tuning in, for interacting with the product. I appreciate all of you. Until next time, well, let's see, next week, Review of UFC on ESPN plus 43 and a preview of UFC on ESPN plus 44. That particular event. Um, I could be very down on the main and currently announced co-main being heavyweight and light heavyweight respectively. respectively. But I don't hate Jarzinho Rosenstrike versus Cyril Ghosn, uh, which is your main event. And I don't hate Magomed on Kalaya versus Nikita Krylov. So, I again, next week we'll have a full preview of that card, however it looks by the time we get there. Uh, yeah, as well as all the other happenings in the MMA world. Until next time, everyone, please stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.